Hi and welcome to the Final Whistles Premier League Weekly presented by Life Now. COVID-19 and the fourth spot, what do they have in common? Well, no one wants it. We discuss why Manchester United and Spurs continue to disappoint. And we also examine what Leeds need to do to steady the ship as they continue to sink in the Premier League. It's also time to look at the resurgence at St. James Park. All that and more on the Final Whistles Premier League Weekly presented by Life Now. Hi everyone, I'm Deepan. What's up guys, I'm Raushan. Raushan, nothing like a Manchester United victory to start the week with. Of course, uh, they were 2-0 winners over Brighton, which came after a thoroughly disappointing result against the Saints the previous week. Um, but the reality is that the Red Devils are looking at, like an outside runner for fourth spot now. Uh, more on that later, but I want to get to the trivia question first. Are you ready? Hit me. So, uh, after their 4-0 defeat to Manchester City over the past weekend, uh, Norwich have conceded 50 goals in 24 matches. Uh, you're smiling there, I can see. Uh, which team and in which season was there one team that considered the most goals in a season, in an English league season? The reason I was laughing is always you throw me shade for giving you numbers-related <laughs> trivia. And here you go, switching your tab, going to a particular page and finding this number and you got that smug look like this fella is never figuring it out. I'm going to try. Uh, I will go with Blackpool. Blackpool. Uh, yeah. That was, of course, a team that had our great Charlie Adam Yes, uh, led by Ian Holloway. Yes, Ian Holloway. But the the, the point is, um, it's not Blackpool. So, it is a team that um, is not associated with the Premier League. Like, when you think of Premier League, you don't you don't ever think that this team would come to mind. Oh, wow. Um, uh, oh, tough. This obviously in the 90s? This is in the 90s. You know what? I, I think because the question is so tough, I'll accept just the club name. You don't have to tell me how many goals. How many goals? But just the oh, club I, name. I, I wasn't aiming for any of that role. I was going to give you as the club name. Uh, okay, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Alright, so let's uh, start off the episode by reviewing Game Week 25. Starting with the Live Now Game of the Week, uh, which was Burnley against Liverpool. Um, you know, not a surprise result in a sense where Liverpool were the winners. Uh, but it was just 1-0, Raushan. I mean, were you surprised by that? I was, I was. I think there was plenty of hype coming in with uh, Mo Salah returning from the FCON and essentially Liverpool covered well when they had their key players, Mane and Salah, away. So you expected the return of those two players to possibly help the team and push them on. Uh, from my FPL standpoint, I was a bit disappointed because uh, I expected Jota to be in amongst the goals. Unfortunately, that didn't work out. But hey, uh, sometimes you just got to grind out the results and when you have... People like Fabinho who, I mean, I know he scored some goals, important goals of late, but he's not known for his goal scoring, right? So if he's chipping in with goals when the the strikers are, I'd say, misfiring because I think they essentially had, what, four shots on target or something? Mm. So I think it it's, it's a crucial victory. I was surprised by the margin of the victory, but Burnley are always defensively resolute, right? As far as I know, they don't, they don't lose big. So three points for Liverpool, that's all that matters, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you touched on it right there. Uh, Burnley are a team that don't concede many goals. Actually, uh, in the last four matches, 
uh, in the Premier League, they've only considered two goals and both of them have come against uh, United and Liverpool. Uh, which brings me to my point, and I, we will talk about Liverpool a bit later on because uh, they are, of course, in the live now featured game uh, for another week as well uh, in, in the next game. But what I want to ask you is, you look at this Burnley team and you know they, they were expected to get thumped against Liverpool. Uh, and, and I guess most of us predicted that United will be convincing winners against, against Burnley. Uh, but it wasn't the case. In both these games, Burnley have given a good fight. Uh, even in this game against Liverpool, I mean, they took the, they took the game to, to Liverpool, you know, they, they made it a, a close match. So do you feel like these two games, even though they've got one point, were both well for their survival fight? I think with Burnley, I, I take your point completely that they, they have shown a bit more gumption, let's say, over the past few weeks. But the problem for Burnley is the teams who they are looking to usurp and pull down into their relegation battle are doing well. We'll touch on it later. Newcastle are doing well in 17th, climbing out of the bottom three places. Then you have Everton under Frank Lampard, who look encouraging based on the past weekend. Uh, okay, I take your point about Leeds United and Brentford possibly being dragged in. But for Burnley, they, the gap, I know they have games in hand. It might be a bit tough for them. And they've survived by their skin of their teeth over various different seasons. So I feel like, yes... Wackhorse might be an interesting signing for them, but is that going to be enough to ensure Premier League survival? I'm not convinced. And it purely might be because Burnley have left it too late and the clubs around them are doing a bit too well. Yeah, I don't find a relative point to, to disagree with what you said. Uh, but for me, I, I think Wackhorse is, is a game-changer for me. Um, I'll talk more about him later on because he's, he's on my fantasy radar, uh, one of the players who impressed me. But uh, I do think that he will ensure that Burnley have just enough. And... To me, what I was looking out for in these past few matches from Burnley was, do they have that resolute defending that we have uh, known them for? Because I think this season, that will what will be the difference between these teams at the bottom, where whether the likes of Watford, Norwich, uh, Newcastle, Everton, uh, Leeds, whether they can stop the goal from going in. Because I think all these teams at the end of the day, they do have the ability to put the ball into the other net, but whether they can defend it is the issue. So, uh, we will talk more about this relegation battle a bit later on, but I want to come to chat about the top four, or rather the fourth spot, um, which again, like I said in the intro, nobody seems to want. I um, love your introduction, by the way. <laughs> a lot like COVID, nobody seems to want this top four, top four spot enough. Yeah, and but uh, unless for COVID, you know, everybody seems to get it, right? But then <laughs> uh, at this moment, um, in the past weekend, we saw Spurs uh, losing at home to Wolves 2-0. Uh, United, of course, drew against Southampton at home, uh, but they followed it up with a victory against Brighton. Uh, what I want to talk about is the fact that, yes, I know that Arsenal still have games to play. Of course, their game against Chelsea uh, did not take place this weekend because they were uh, Chelsea were away on uh, Club World Cup duty and congratulations to them, champions of the world, right? Which is what you would say. Uh, what, what is the problem, do you think? I mean, at the end of the day, do you feel like these results show you that Arsenal are the favourites for the spot because I think we had this conversation last week where we said Spurs have to win their two games because it's winnable games and if they want the fourth spot, they should win. But here we are. Mathematically, Arsenal have to be favourite. Mathematically, that is purely because of the games in hand and obviously if they win their games in hand, uh, then they will trump everything else, right? But that's hypothetical. They haven't won the games yet. And we've seen Arsenal, they can be inconsistent uh, whether we've talked about it at length, I think in the previous podcast about their striking trouble. So I'm not entirely convinced that Arsenal are the shoe in for it, despite the numbers adding up their way. 
Um, Spurs, I expected more from them. I'm I'm surprised by how Conte seems to still struggle at times, despite being, I guess, relatively backed in the January window. So I know for the longest time, I, I assumed that, or I predicted that Spurs might finish above Arsenal. It might be a lot closer than we think possibly. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. For me, an outside outside bet might be Wolves purely because they are so economical and they they do so well under Bruno Lager. They they seem to each player seems to know their role. Uh, they don't seem to be missing Adama a whole much. So it's it's interesting to 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 consider this top four battle. And if the bigger clubs all can't find consistency, then it opens the door completely for the likes of West Ham, for the likes of Wolves. Who it would be a big shock if they secure a top four place. It honestly will be, especially at the expense of big spending Manchester United, for example. But I tell you what, I, I, I'm going to put my neck out and say Manchester United are going to seal that top four place. I, I do think so. I, I, I know it, it seems weird to say that based on current form at least, but based on what I saw last night, I know we haven't, Manchester United haven't put together 90 solid minutes under, under uh, Ralph Ragnick. But yesterday, they decided to put in that better half of which they have been they are capable of in the second half, which works for me because if you can't string together 45 minutes, then you've got to be smart about it, right? And I do think I do think they won't go deep into the UEFA Champions League. I, I just think that's the reality of the situation. So maybe then they can focus solely on finishing on top four. And at some point, the chips have to fall in place because when we talk about uh, United now, they are creating chances. They're not just finishing it, right? And eventually that will come and I think United will eventually find the consistency to to seal top four. You know, um, of course, I, I didn't watch the United and uh, Brighton game and I woke up uh, more shocked that we kept the clean sheet than the fact that we actually won the game. Uh, and, and I think it's important to touch on it and I don't want to sweep it aside where um, I, I'm a fan of Maguire. Uh, you, you know that. But I think it's unavoidable that his form has to be called into question. I think uh, in the league, actually, if you look across the league, I, I can't find too many underperforming centre-backs like him at the moment. Uh, and, and it's a big travesty that it's happening at Manchester United and an even big, bigger travesty that he is the club captain. Um, I was shocked as well that he, he started against Brighton despite the fact that he had a shocker against Southampton. And we had an off-air conversation about this that you know he starts because he's the club captain. But do you almost feel like Starting him right now, it's almost like a situation where we are in jeopardy. Like, you know, it's like we're trusting something that we have not quite seen work out. Uh, I'm not sure how he did against Brighton. I mean, from what I've read, it seems like he had a decent enough game. But I'm saying like, you know, over the course of the season, I think he's been quite bad. You know, when do you draw the line and say, you know what, let's go with Varane and Bailly or Varane and Lindelof or even Varane and Jones for till the end of the season? I take your point. United have to make that difficult decision at some point if uh, Harry Maguire continues to to be so alarmingly, shockingly bad, right? But yesterday, based on what we saw against uh, Brighton, who, with all due respect, didn't create the most clear-cut chances, so Maguire wasn't as tested as compared to uh, how he was against uh, Southampton at the weekend. I do think what Ralph Ragnick is trying to do is, is manage, manage him a bit differently. We've seen Ragnick come in and... Uh, push Martial out, push Donny van der Beek out. And some might argue that's good management because you're getting rid of uh, Deadwood, so you trim your squad. But I think one thing Rocknick might have learned is doing that means you are short on cover once you don't have players on your side. And if you want your club captain on your side, who for all that he does badly off the on the pitch, 
off the pitch, the club captain has a bigger role. We've seen that previously with Gary Neville. When he wasn't at his peak, he was still club captain. So a club captain's role is much bigger than just what's on the pitch. I, I'm not making excuses for Harry Maguire. As a United fan, hand on heart, he is shockingly bad. I haven't seen that bad a defensive performance by a United backline <laughs> amounting to one player's fault in a long, long while. But off the pitch, I'm sure he has value in that dressing room and that's the reason why Ralph is sticking with him. And going back to my earlier point about trimming squad, if you do alienate one of your centre-backs, then you're left short on cover. And we know the troubles that Eric Bailly can have with injury. We've seen Lindelof at various points of times pick up injuries this season. Varane isn't 100% fit every week either. Jones has a checkered pass of injury. So when you look at all of that, and then you think about how Maguire essentially played through the pain barrier under Ole, you know he's giving you something different. So I think Ragnik is almost covering his bases by trying to find the best form for Maguire. And yes, again, going back to my point, Maguire is alarmingly shocking since the end of the Euros. Since then, it's been wretched, to be honest. But you can't go from that to this and lose the player completely. Maguire, I said this to you yesterday, I think, when we were having supper. Maguire is a completely confidence-based player and his confidence is absolutely bereft now. The only way to even push him up to a next level, I'm not saying the best centre-back level, just the next level would be to give him the confidence and I think that's what Rangnick is trying to do. One last uh, point about this um, fourth spot. Um, we, are, we are both a bit like Lil Nas X where we have a horse uh, to fight for in this in this race, and that's of course Manchester United. But trying to be as neutral as possible, um, do you almost feel like it's a good thing what we're having? Because I, I don't want to say this, but the title race is more or less done. I mean, we, we, we know that City is probably going to go and win the title. Uh, this might come back to haunt me, but I'm just saying it as it is. Uh, Relegation-wise, we, we, we have a battle there, yes. But it's not always we get a proper uh, fight for the fourth spot. And right now, we have four teams Four teams all with a, a legitimate shout to finish fourth. So do you feel like... For I, I dare say five. You, you want to include uh, Brighton in this? No, no. Manchester United, West Ham, Arsenal, Wolves, Tottenham. Ah, so so you're including uh, Wolves in this? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think, I mean, mathematically, it's, we can't and, discount and sorry, them. Just, ju- just because I, I mentioned Brighton, I mean, yeah. uh, I agree about the five. Uh, I think yeah. I, I didn't count Wolves. I, I, I missed them. Would you say six? I mean, do you think like Brighton could be... Because... I, Brighton have been impressive. Let's put it there. It's just that they've got too many draws to to account for. I think they've got wow. They got they've got twelve draws in the Premier League this season. That's and, half and, and half three the draws games. in their last five. So yeah, yeah. I I I I mean, sorry, Brighton. Uh, maybe a neutral's favorite in terms of the way they play, in terms of Graham Potter being their manager. But no lah, top four is a bit of a stretch. Con- Europa Europa Conference perhaps. But uh, top four for me is a bit too much. I think it's between fourth to eighth positions in Manchester United, West Ham, Arsenal, Wolves, Tottenham. And I take your point completely because we we have been uh, we have been not had the privilege of having a title race the way Man City are going about their business, not just in the league but in Europe as well as we saw. Uh, I think it's exciting to have five teams battling for one spot. Uh, that's not something we'll see. Five teams won't be battling for the title to a nail. Uh, tooth and nail almost uh, for the next few seasons. So it's at least there's five legitimate teams within touching distance of that fourth spot. And it's going to be fascinating. The 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 devil in me wants United to finish uh, fourth. But I wouldn't mind a Wolves or a West Ham finishing uh, fourth just to throw a cat, cat amongst the pigeons. You know, it'd be nice to see if they are given the opportunity to play top-tier European competition where these clubs go. 
All right, uh, let's move on to the other results uh, in the Premier League. Of course, Brighton uh, were 2-0 winners against Watford. Uh, Crystal Palace and Brentford played out a goalless draw. Uh, Man City, like I mentioned earlier, were 4-0 winners over Norwich City. Uh, Newcastle uh, with a 1-0 victory over Aston Villa. Big result for them. Uh, Leicester City and West Ham playing our entertaining 2-2 draw. Um, and one last result was, of course, Everton's 3-0 win over Leeds. Uh, look, you, you see the table at the moment uh, and, and Leeds and Everton are separated by one place, right? I mean, Leeds are in 15 and Everton are in 16. So to me, uh, a 3-0 win from Everton is a disastrous result for Leeds United. Where do they go from here, Raushan? Do you almost feel like it's only the way down for them? I think I think the biggest problem with that 3-0 Everton defeat is we know Leeds United, even if they are losing, they are often the most most uh, hard-working team on the pitch. They are often the most putting in the most hard yards running. Whether it's with purpose or not, they are always putting in a good shift. And against Everton, I watched that game, I knew, because I wanted to see how Donny went the big fat. I just don't lie. You, you wanted to watch the game because Coutinho was in your <laughs> No, no. Oh, sorry. We're talking about Everton Leeds or... Ah, sorry, sorry. I was yeah. confused because Coutinho played against Leeds. Uh, no, no. Uh, sorry. Uh, I watched Everton. Too, too, many, because... too many game weeks, uh, bro. <laughs> exactly. It's all uh, meshed into one at the moment. right? But going back to my point about Everton, uh, I thought they were the more aggressive team and that's not mm. something we've said for Everton all season wrong, right? They started on the front foot. They, they were gunning for goals and they knew Leeds were for the taking because we've seen at various points Leeds, once they concede one, once they concede two, they're going to eventually concede a lot more. But I think the biggest worry for Leeds United is they seem to be the second best team against Everton and Everton under Lampard, you, you expect that because uh, Lampard needed a result having lost his first Premier League game with Everton to Newcastle. So I think it was needed that he got got an important result. So for Leeds United, I'll be I'll be worried. I think we've talked about it on this pod before. Bielsa Ball can only take you that far, right? At some point, you need to go back to basics. I don't think it's too late if they go back to basics. I know they are threadbare in terms of their squad, but I, I do think between, if I had to choose between Leeds and Brentford, I'd put my head on uh, Brentford going down rather than Leeds going down. You know, the, the worrying thing for Leeds at the moment is that uh, while they have not won in any of the last three matches in the Premier League, what's coming next is a bit scary. Uh, they've got Manchester United, Liverpool, Spurs and Leicester City in their next four English Premier League fixtures. And I, I don't predict that they can win any of these four fixtures. I mean, they might eke out a draw against uh, United for, for all you know, but in these four, four fixtures, I don't see them getting three points, which could spell danger for them because, you know, uh, at this current juncture, uh, one one win is already paramount to your survival hopes as we've seen with Newcastle. They got one and then they got another very quickly after that because uh, they've got confidence causing through their veins. So I do fear for Leeds at the moment and, and they do need their players back uh, fit and fast. Uh, let's of course now go on to the FPL radar where we'll talk about two players who impressed us. Yep, this is the FPL radar where Raushan and I will talk about uh, two players each who impressed us in game week 25. Uh, Raushan, you want to kick us off? I was really impressed. I think it's hard to look beyond Raheem Sterling, right? I'm already keeping an eye out on him for uh, my incoming transfer purely because on current form, I feel... I mean, there's no certainty with Guardiola's picks, honestly. <laughs> I found that out the hard way over the past week with De Bruyne and uh, Cancelo. But I do think Raheem Sterling has 
almost gone into that mold of undroppable at the moment. I think uh, he did well over the weekend and then he did exceptionally well in the Champions League as did Man City, to be fair. So the reason I'm rooting for Sterling is also because I feel he's $2 million cheaper than uh, Kevin De Bruyne. So if you want to free up some funds to perhaps beef up other areas of their squad, Sterling is a, is a, is a decent choice for me. Uh, all right, my my player is actually someone who have already earmarked on the uh, podcast uh, a few weeks ago, and that's uh, Uf Weghorst. Uh, 6.5 million. Um, you know, after I've talked about him, uh, he, he went against United, he had an assist, uh, he played well, but it was another impressive performance this time against Liverpool. Uh, he had three shots, two of them in the box, one big chance, uh, but... One issue was that he did go off injured uh, against Liverpool. So, um, FPL fans, you know, you've got to do the the, the latest readings on him uh, before you draft him into your squad. But what I like about him uh, and why I have him on my FPL radar is because Burnley have a double game week coming up. Uh, and it's against Spurs and Brighton. Uh, we know it'll be a Brighton side not having their best defender almost uh, in Lewis Dunk. Uh, and Spurs, I mean, I, I think Spurs' defence could be there for the taking. Uh, in terms of what we've seen over the last few weeks. So, uh, I would target Waghorst uh, if I if I were looking for a budget option up front, almost. I think the thing about strikers this year is you don't... I seem, It seems like a worldwide trend that not everybody is splashing the cash on your, your Harry Kane's or your Ronaldo's or your uh, Lukaku's for that matter. You do want... You talk about uh, budget options, but I think that's the go-to in terms of strikers this year, right? Your likes of... Waghorst, Watkins, uh, Maupe and uh, stuff like that. There are some names that come to mind. Going on to my second pick, I'm rooting for another player, a player who also has a double game week coming up. That's Ryan Aitnuri. I think uh, the Wolves defender has uh, done really well in the past few weeks. Earned me five points, albeit I think he was on my bench, but he earned me five points. Uh, but nonetheless, I think he's a good pick, especially when you look at Wolves' upcoming fixtures. I think he has established himself in that Wolves backline that that are miserly, man. They don't concede a lot of goals. So um, and comes at a decent price of four point four million as well. And when you look at some of the fixtures they have coming up, the only one that is rated four on the FPL uh, app is Arsenal. And I, if that's their most difficult fixture over the next coming weeks, then I think you can plump for him. So all the way till April when they face Man City, they have a good run of fixtures. Uh, and over the double game week, they're playing Leicester, who have been porous in the past few weeks, and Arsenal. So I, I would go for a left-field choice of Ryan Ainuri. And for those listening, the last time I backed a fullback, it was Kieran Trippier who went on to score two goals. So I'm going to try and heed my advice. Perhaps you should too. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm actually going for a different player for my second pick in terms of not one that many have in their teams. Uh, but I was looking at uh, most people's midfield in, in the Fantasy Premier League where you perhaps now would have like about three to four premium options, uh, more than eight million or seven-ish million players. So there's, there is space for one uh, cheap option. And I think this guy is not only cheap, I think he is a guaranteed starter at the moment uh, and he's flying under Frank Lampard and that's Anthony Gordon uh, who's at 4.5 million uh, who had a goal and an assist uh, in the game uh, in the past weekend. Um, they've got Southampton up next. Um, you look at him as well, I think he had three bonus points in the last game. Uh, at Chelsea, when, when Frank Lampard was in charge, we saw the English players uh, flourish. Uh, I'm talking about your Mason Mounts. Um, and, and I think... Rhys James, Tammy Abraham. Yeah, in a way, I feel like Anthony Gordon is uh, the Mason Mount for, for Frank Lampard at Everton at the moment. Good shot. 
Yeah, and at 4.5 million, I think it's a cheap, cheap, really, really good option. Cheap, cheap, good, good, as they would say. Uh, in... <laughs> in Thailand. <laughs> uh, so, so I think it's a good option to have. Whether I bring him in is a, is a doubt because at the moment, uh, when I played my wildcard last week, I, I had the coming game week in mind as well. So I, I'm not looking to make any changes. Uh, we'll talk more about that later on in the in the captain's call. But let's now move on to the upcoming uh, matches in game week 26. Right, this is Who's Next, where we look ahead to matches in the Premier League while also picking out some FPL assets to consider. For the forthcoming campaign, Life Now will offer single match passes for the Premier League and provide a flexible option for football fans in Singapore with the ability to purchase pay-per-view passes for one fixture per match week. And we are fast running out of Premier League match days and that means we'll run out of these free gifts soon too. So don't forget to go to our Instagram or Facebook page at the Final Whistle to find out how you can win three free Premier League match passes each week for yourself. Live Now's featured match of this week is Liverpool against Norwich City. Yep, uh, Liverpool versus Norwich City is the fixture that we're talking about at the moment. Um, if you look at this fixture over the, the last few uh, game weeks, uh, they had a League Cup fixture, if I'm not wrong, where Liverpool won 3-0. Uh, the Premier League fixture this season between both sides ended 3-0 for Liverpool as well. Uh, only one other result actually was quite a tight one. That was, of course, last season, uh, Norwich at home and Liverpool were only 1-0 winners. Uh, to me, I, I look at this game and I can't see anything but a convincing victory for Liverpool. Uh, we look at how, uh, at different stages of this season, Liverpool have had different kind of players to, to have because... Of course, there was FCON and they had to rejig a bit. Now they've got Luis Diaz, so there's a bit of a rejig happening at the moment. Uh, but I think it's safe to say that uh, Sadio Mane, Mo Salah and Jota would be probably the preferred options up front. Uh, but of course, at this time of recording, Liverpool have not played the Champions League game against uh, Inter Milan. So we don't quite know what to expect uh, after that because for all you know, there could be injuries and Klopp wants to rest his players. But... I'm going to use this fixture to talk about Liverpool's options in the Fantasy Premier League because I think there's not much to gain from talking about what could happen in this game in terms of a result because I think it's a almost a foregone conclusion. Uh, but this is a Liverpool double game week where they have Norwich and Leeds. Isti, no? Do you almost feel like not using triple captain would be a disaster? I don't know if it'll be a disaster. I think I think it would require some bravery to do it because I don't think it'll be your last double game week of the year. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it'll be your last game week of the year. And I say that because it's not like Mo Salah is firing at the moment. I'm assuming you are thinking about putting Mo Salah uh, as triple captain. I don't think he's exactly come back, uh, hit the ground running after FCON. And he, he did have his heart broken in FCON, right? So it's interesting to see if he will... Come back, I think he's still probably the best player in the world, but he has to find his feet and show his rhythm again. And again, to your point, he might just, now that I've said it, go out and score a hat-trick against Inter Milan and then you'll plump for your triple captaincy on Mo Salah. So if if that happens, then yeah, why not plump on? I mean, I don't think there'll be a tastier proposition of two Liverpool home games against two relegation-threatened teams who are there for the taking, right? So... A triple captain shout, to be fair, until you brought it up, I never thought about it. But now that you brought it up, I'm firmly thinking about it. All right. Uh, let's move on to the other fixtures in the game week. Uh, West Ham against Newcastle. It's a tasty fixture for me, man. I really am looking forward to... I I, I, I like Newcastle at the moment. I, I, I feel like we didn't touch on them when we reviewed the game. I think Newcastle have come together very well. I think uh, Eddie Howe has 
done. I talked about getting the transfers right in the January window, and I think they did very well to 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 secure what they needed, and they looked good as a unit. One point of uh, concern for Newcastle fans would be the injuries to uh, Kieran Trippier and Man- uh, Javier Manquillo in the last game. So hopefully they come back stronger. But overall, I think Newcastle are in a good way and have shown that they're just too good for relegation at the moment. And from a neutral perspective, I do hope they get a positive result against West Ham and push further up the table because I think they've won three on the bounce and unbeaten in four since that shocking defeat in the FA Cup to Cambridge. So hopefully Newcastle can keep that going against West Ham. But hopefully there'll be a high-scoring affair because uh, Jared Bowen is uh, a man in form for me in uh, Fantasy Premier League. So hopefully he can keep his scoring uh, run going. Uh, just since we are talking about West Ham and Newcastle, I just want to touch on uh, a, a player in NFL at the moment that's on hot form, and that's, of course, Jared Bowen. Um, surprisingly, he's still only selected by about 32.4% in FPL. Do you almost feel like he is, uh, and because he's at only 7 million, do you almost feel like this moment, uh, Jared Bowen is a must-have for all FPL managers? Yeah, it makes sense. I think it would be, it'd be bizarre not to not to have him. I've been reading some FPL threads about how Mikel Antonio is still the highest-scoring striker in uh, the FPL this season, which wow. goes back to my point earlier, right? Which I should have done that as trivia, considering you were caught by surprise. But anyway, um, for me, I feel Jared Bowen is your go-to man for West Ham at the moment, and he's guaranteed goals, guaranteed assists. He's on set-piece duty as well. So Jared Bowen, for me, is a must-have in your Fantasy Premier League. Okay, uh, moving on to the next game is, of course, Arsenal-Brentford. Um, Arsenal as well have a double game week. Uh, would you plumb for defenders or attackers from Arsenal? I mean, you, you might at least have one Arsenal player, so who would it be? Uh, for me, I already have one Arsenal player and that's Kieran Tierney. Uh, I think the fact that Arsenal haven't played in a while might help them uh, in terms of uh, working together, spending some time in the training ground and working through their their routine so they can push on, right? But I look at their double game week, they got Brentford and Wolves. I think they started the season with a loss to Brentford, if I'm not wrong, and then Wolves are never going to be easy proposition. So I, I'm not entirely convinced that Arsenal assets are the way to go this FPL weekend. Okay. Or this FPL game week, sorry. Okay, uh, fair enough. Uh, Brighton play Burnley, uh, Southampton play Everton, uh, Aston Villa play Watford, and Chelsea are back in action uh, this weekend when they play uh, in a London derby against Crystal Palace, uh, Manchester City take on Spurs, uh, and then of course the Leeds Manchester United fixture, and then Wolves take on Leicester City. Uh, before I go on to the captain call, um, I just want to touch on the teams having a double game. So Burnley and Spurs will play Watford and Palace, uh, Liverpool and Leeds, and Arsenal and Wolves. So do, do you think that the, of all the teams having double game weeks, Liverpool are the ones to target for sure? It has to be. I think when you just read out those fixture lists there, it, it makes complete sense to go for a Liverpool asset this week because you you need to bank on your double game weeks, especially if you're playing catch-up. And I say that to you because you are now 13 points ahead of me and I fully, 15, firmly... 15. Oh, is it 15? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, two <laughs> points. But I fully, firmly expect, expect to pip you before the end of the season and this double game week is going to be important in my hopes of doing that. Uh, almost like a challenge, uh, challenge accepted. Mm. <laughs> uh, to me, I, I, I also agree. I, I don't see the other fixtures being that exciting. Uh, to me, I think it's just a question of whether I triple captain or not, which brings me nicely to the captain or captain. Uh, who would you have your armband on this time? I mean, it has to be going into a double game week, has to be an, an Liverpool player, right? It's hard to look beyond a Liverpool player. But it's not uh, entirely 
certain that I'll put it on Mo Salah. I might live to regret this and I might change my mind after Liverpool play the Champions League game. But uh, if I if I were to go for a person who's sure to start, just because Liverpool have options at the front now, they don't have to bank on Salah every week, especially if he's out of form. So possibly go for Trent, put in, put in the armband on Trent and he is, I think, assured to start at right back injury willing and I think he will he will possibly have two good games two possible clean sheets and he's always uh, added bonus in attack so go for that alright uh, for me I, I think it's, it has to be Mo Salah uh, I, I might I might think of Trent Alexander-Arnold because I think uh, both games like you, like you mentioned have a high ceiling for a clean sheet uh, and Alexander-Arnold always gives you a high possibility of attacking returns as well um, so yeah, it's between Salah and uh, Trent for me and also another option of possibly triggering that triple captain. But I will wait for the game against Inter Milan and see how that goes. But I'm sure a lot of managers out there will be pushing that triple captain option uh, this week. Uh, before I go, uh, I'm going to give you one last attempt at... Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday is not the correct answer. Ah... Uh... I'm going to give you the answers because, because you're already at the end of the show. Most goals conceded in an uh, English league season was by Swindon Town ah, uh, in, the in the 93-94 season where they conceded... Okay, guess how many? Norwich have conceded oh. 50 goals this season already yeah, in 24 uh, games. 74. How goals, no, how many goals did Swindon Town concede in 42 matches? Uh, 74. No. Uh, higher or lower? Higher. 85. Higher. Hey, Raba. <laughs> 96. Higher. Three digit. Yeah. 112. No, it's 100. Oh, okay. Yeah, they wow. considered 100 goals. The second most was by Derby uh, in the 2007-2008 season where they considered 89 goals in 38 matches. Uh, so that's your bit of trivia for this week. Raushan, always a pleasure recording this with you. Uh, have a good weekend, but not too uh, a good one on the FPL front. I'm and coming for you, you, bro. I'm coming for <laughs> you. I'm telling you. I'll see you next week. Cheers, bro. Have a good one. Thanks for listening.